When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bomb who got through Kim Witzak, 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 and uh, about Monsanto and uh, your patience with me. Like, you know, maybe there's a running theme. It's like, you know, every once in a while you meet like a crazy girl or something, and she talks about how all crazy, all her boyfriends are crazy. And you're, you know, at a certain point, you're like, what's the common denominator of all of those? It's you. <laughs> I realize after like the 90th straight guest intro and I'm like, and they have a patience of a saint at a certain point. It's like, who is requiring people to have patience, Tommy? Maybe it's time for a little, uh, introspection, but, uh, with that unprofessional start, please introduce yourself, man. I am Michael Baum. I'm the managing partner of a law firm called Baum Headland that does litigation against pharmaceutical companies and chemical companies and um, uh, aviation law, things of that sort, um, plane crashes, train crashes, people harmed or killed by uh, drugs or Roundup. And we litigated a series of uh, cases against uh, Monsanto uh, and, and was we were on the trial team for all three of the trials that uh, went to verdict up in the San Francisco area in 2018 and 2019, resulting in about $2.4 billion worth of verdicts against Monsanto that led to the current settlement program that has somewhere around $10.5 billion assigned to settling claims of somewhere north of 100,000 people's non-Hodgkin lymphoma cases caused by exposure to Roundup. So as someone that knows nothing about law, I have a biology degree. I got into medical school and then started this podcast. So truly no understanding of law. Is it is it something akin to like, I remember growing up watching, I'm from New England. I always remember watching like Red Sox, Yankees games. And then I think it was like the early 2000s, the MLB implemented like a like a cap and uh, on your total salary payroll. And but it wasn't it wasn't like a line in the sand, like you could go over it. You just had to pay fines. And so everyone started kind of talking shit and they're like, all right, well, it's not really a cap. Then there's just a tax over a certain point, which if you're running a multi-billion dollar uh, sports team, you know, an internationally recognized name like the Yankees. Yeah, you're gonna pay that tax, right? It's I bought a really good camera and a really good microphone and some sound panels. It cost me a pretty penny, but to me, it's worth it. I'm like, right, it's more professional uh, appearance. All that being said, is that loosely and generally? I know it's a, a, a broad stroke, but is that kind of how some of these corporations operate where they're like, Hey, we know we're doing X, Y, and Z and we're eventually going to get spanked for it. But if we do this anyway, you know, here is the projected profits from it. That eventual lawsuit that, you know, they're not stupid. They know they're going to get, is that just like an acceptable tax on like out of this world profit margins? I would say that 
there has been some indication of that, and but finding documents that actually well, have them saying that these days is hard to find. Well, sure. Uh, but as a practical matter, uh, their jobs uh, as uh, um, leaders of a corporation that has an obligation to create profits for their shareholders, if they can bring in, you know, $25 billion worth of money and pay out $4 billion worth of money in fines. And yeah, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, they almost are never tagged with the, uh, the fatal blow, which would be like in the context of um, <clears throat> like pharmaceutical companies, if they were tagged with a fine uh, and prohibited from being uh, able to get Medicaid and Medicare money for their drugs, that would put them out of business. And that, okay. that would almost never happen. I don't think it's ever happened. That would make a difference if they did something like that. But as it is, they just pay the fines and move on. They have a little sub company of the uh, sub subset of the overall corporation pay the fines so the overall corporation doesn't have the problem. Um, with respect to Monsanto, um, part of their rationale internally, I think, was they actually um, didn't, they, they thought that they were uh, an improvement on the existing herbicides and uh, pesticides out there uh, on the toxicity. And so they were like true believers. And sure. it took them a while to get the idea that maybe they were wrong and they wouldn't believe it. Um, that said, they did some fairly wicked things in the process of, def- of protecting what was essentially a, uh, an advancement in uh, pesticides and herbicides. Uh, but it, they've gone out of control um, and engaged in what I would call uh, abusive and malicious conduct, which is what the juries found in each of our trials. Yeah, about the whole, like, not finding it in writing. Like, you know, these guys aren't stupid. Like, you're not going to put in writing, like, what I just... They don't have a Tommy up there that's like, hey, guys, so I know this is going to kill a bunch of people, but we're about to make buku bucks. Like, no, you, you don't put that in... You know, I doubt there's a transcript between LBJ and the CIA talking about how Kennedy's got to go, right? So it's just some things are implied. But, and for all for all future listeners, I speak for myself and not Mr. Baum, so if I start going off on, like, a Kennedy CIA... Uh, rant that doesn't uh, that doesn't represent your law form. Just you know, I'm a, a pretty good friend with uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. Really? Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, so I actually do know some things about what he considers to be happened to his dad and his uncle. Yeah, I've uh, I've had on here twice, Mr. Jefferson Morley, a best-selling author, who wrote about uh, the ghost about James G. Sangleton, the head of CIA counterintelligence. And man, you know, actually almost a year ago, today is November 18th, 2021, almost a year ago on uh, November or 22nd, 2020, I actually had on two authors. I had on Gerald Posner, who uh, kind of tying into this, also wrote the book Pharma, which every kind of what we're talking about, the Sackler family, Purdue, Oxycontin, Suboxone. Mm-hmm. But he also wrote a book, um, Case Closed, about the Kennedy assassination. And his is very... It was Lee Harvey 
it's just, that's just what it is. And on the same day, I also had on Jefferson Morley, who talks about James Jesus Angleton, and he writes very conclusively that Angleton wanted him to go and worked with malicious elements in the government to get him gone. And I had them both on, not not together, and because they both wrote, I mean, they're both incredibly respected authors. They both cite all their sources, and yet here we are at two completely different conclusions. I tend to lean towards Mr. Morley's conclusion. It just, uh, it just, Kennedy was just, he went in there and just, he was ruffling too many feathers, man. It's like, you know, an assassin. Well, it's, it's actually a longer history than that. And uh, Bobby, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, wrote a book called uh, uh, American Values uh, about four or five years ago, which uh, to some degree discusses the Kennedy family's history of dealing with anti-democratic forces sure. from, you know, from the beginning of when they made it here to the U.S. Yeah, the and Joseph Kennedy and his involvement with uh, anti-monopoly um, type uh, actions. Um, they, they were in a multi-decade battle with the uh, some corporate interests that were trying to run the country and with um, uh, military intelligence mm-hmm. um, trying to run the country. And the, the animosity between um, or the, the difference in values between what the Dulles brothers and the CIA and that crowd had compared to uh, the Kennedy values uh, that were basically, they really were to some degree uh, constitution, uh, declaration of independence, everybody should have rights and other countries ought to be able to be like us um, versus going in and toppling uh, uh, democracies for the sake of a United Fruit Company. They That type of um, um tension uh i think resulted in both uh the kennedys being shot i'm so happy to have met you because now i have a i'm gonna be back in literally 10 seconds i need to grab a blanket i have the air conditioner on and i put it way too low so i will be back in four three two one is i turned it on way too low who needs an air conditioner on in november apparently me um but yeah man a lot of things you just said right the patriarch of the kennedy family bootlegging right and uh setting up you know kind of want to be a political so the bootlegging story Mm -hmm. that that was a cia meme really well goddamn well all right well, it, well, he did, they did work with the mafia. Am I correct on that? They did work with the mafia to, wasn't there, well, I don't know if that's now a CIA front, but wasn't there speculation that they worked with the mafia to get Jack in office? Not that I know of. Well, obviously, everything I'm saying is obviously wild speculation. There, there were unions that supported the Kennedys mm-hmm. and supported the Democrats, and some of those unions were probably, you know, uh, mafia affiliated, but I don't think that was. I I I would be news to me that that was the case. Um, I, I I strongly recommend that American Values. It's it's a really well written book, oh, I, I like and it's it's 
you know, the history of, pol of American politics from with, as affected by the Kennedy family from someone who was on the inside watching it happen. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, his brother, right, was involved. <clears throat> he, he kind of flew like the first ever drone, actually, right? That B-29 they packed with explosives to go hit yeah. Hitler's V-3, which wasn't a rocket, but it was that mountain-based artillery system they wanted to use to wipe out Paris. And they filled that thing, that B-17 or B-29 with explosives. And it actually had uh, a little television in it. And uh, I think they have a replica of the TV you can see at the Smithsonian. And it's like early television right i mean they show an american flag flapping you can barely tell it's a flag but um he died in that crash and so you know so jfk then sort of became the the star child that was going to be the first catholic president but what you said about military intelligence united fruit company you know we all know about eisenhower's speech we've heard a trillion times on january mm -hmm. 17th 1961 military industrial complex beware that yeah un unwarranted technocratic elite scientific elite blah 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 but I always go back to, and I'm glad you touched on it, was Smedley Butler's speech uh, 28 years prior um, on War as a Racket. Smedley Butler was the most decorated Marine in U.S. history. Started with, like, was it the Boxer Rebellion and, like, the Caribbean interventions and the and the China interventions up through World War I. Um, rose all the way through the ranks. I think he was one of a, one of a, cup, one of a handful of men to be alive for two Medal of Honors. And when he retired, he went and worked. And if you know this, well, I'll just tell it to my listeners. He eventually went and kind of represented the Bonus Army, which is a bunch of World War One veterans who were promised payout or bonuses, and they still hadn't received them as of 1933. So they were kind of like camping on the front of the Capitol lawn. Douglas MacArthur started working with the powers that be to get him out of there, started lighting their tents on fire. Smedley went in. <laughs> And yeah, he, he did. He went in and literally started lighting him on fire. Smedley went in and uh, was like representing him. And it was like a, it was like a soldier's soldier. It was like, you know, he was there with them, kind of eating the bread and shitty coffee and sleeping with them. And um, then he was approached by two individuals who they played it off as, hey, uh, FDR, you know, well, FDR, you know, because Smedley had campaigned for FDR or had stumped for FDR. They came to F they came to Smedley and were like, "Hey!" And they they used this, I mean, admittedly intelligent but evil uh, facade of saying, "We want you to represent the Bonus Army." You know, we're just some. Um, and what these guys did is they kind of played on the heartstrings because they were both World War One veterans. They're very. They afterwards they just went and made a killing in business. But they came to him, and they were like, "Hey, you know, you know, we serve too." So Smedley's obviously got a soft spot for him. And they were like, we want you to represent the bonus army. Like, we're going to march on the Capitol and like, you know, FDR's got to go. And so Smedley was like, all right. But Smedley, being a genius, just something didn't pass the sniff test. And instead of calling their bluff, he just went along with it and was like, let's let's see what this thing is. Let's feel it out. And what eventually he uncovered was what's now known as the business plot. Capital B, capital P, the business plot of 1933 in which George Prescott Bush and members of, I want to say, J.P. Morgan family, they wanted to get rid of FDR. Smedley was going to be like the, uh, like the, like the general. They were going to remove the president. There's going to be a new position. Smedley is basically going to be the king of America. And behind the scenes were going to be this corporate interest. What they really wanted was to get rid of FDR so they could reinstate the gold standard. 
And so it was this whole convoluted thing, which <laughs> is just insane. But it's it's <clears throat> but it all goes back to Smedley's speech, which basically was the original uh, military industrial complex speech. I don't want to waste your time and try to find it. I've read it on this podcast a million times. But he goes on to say, you know, in the beginning, I had a hunch that war was a racket. But now I know for sure, you know, I've toppled democracies in South America for, you know, uh, yeah, United Fruit Company. I've, uh, I've, you know, I've. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Raped societies in the Middle East for, um, for British Petroleum. It's going on and on and on about how everything they've done is really... They're just muscle. They're mercenaries, but they have a flag and a uniform, so it looks like armies. And this is a guy that you know rose through the ranks, and he says at the very end, I could give Al Capone a few tips. He operated a racket on in three counties. I operated on three continents. So the reason I just went on that whole rant is like, you're right. The line- It doesn't start with Eisenhower. It goes back much farther that there are these interests that were like, that are willing to bulldoze democracy. Now, whether they did it in 33, trying to overthrow FDR, and perhaps they did it successfully in 63. Man, there, there are these interests that are willing to do anything to, to control the world, to control the flow of resources. And tying it all the way back to present day, yeah, when we see something like Monsanto or Pfizer, people are like, they wouldn't do that. I'm like, you don't even need to go back a century to just, and I know I'm, I know, I know at this point you're probably looking at now me. Now you're like, preaching the choir. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know at this point you're, you're probably thinking mm-hmm. like, this kid is insane, which is why I let everyone know. Hey, if you want no, to. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I would just, I was just going to say that one of the things that I do and one of the things my firm does and that uh, our uh, colleagues do is get the internal documents in discovery uh, that these companies have where they're talking about how um, they're going to manipulate um, or attack critics and, and uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, support uh, academics who publish uh, uh, ghost-written stuff that's actually written by the companies. Um, and it looks like science, but it's actually marketing for both uh, chemical and pharmaceutical industry. Pfizer has been particularly guilty of that, and so have Monsanto. We got those documents, and we've declassified them. And that's one of the things that we did in um, early on in Monsanto's. We took a big block of those documents, de- had them went through the process of declassifying them, and then they got published as the Monsanto papers. And we circulated them around the world, sent them to uh, the DOJ, sent them to uh, Congress, sent them to uh, uh, the uh, European Parliament, every member of European Parliament. And um, documents like that end up making a difference. And we continue to to find documents and find more stuff where they're, you know, if they don't like uh, a study that shows that there's uh, uh, excess number of adverse events related to their drug, 
they attack the author they go to his superior they get the uh they go to the editor of the journal they get the journal article retracted then they uh drum up um critics uh from the scientific community that are on their uh on their their friend role i don't know if it's their payroll some of it's their payroll and they get them to write uh, uh critical letters to the editor in order and and to demand retraction and then that piece of science gets disappeared and things like that are happening have happened and we documented those and um it also among those documents were um events where the company was talking to the regulator that's regulating them and having people inside the, like the EPA or the FDA um, give them hall passes for um, their, the defects in their science. So that, that they, we call that regulatory capture. Yeah. The, the regulating agency is, has been captured by the, the entity that they're supposed to be regulating. And so you end up with a company like uh, Monsanto and a product like Roundup being on the market for 40 years um, without a cancer warning when there was a carcinogenicity signal at the very beginning. And it was corroborated over time and they just suppressed it. Never an academic popped up saying something that suggested there was a, a carcinogenicity problem. They would ha have... They had um, these groups within, like in Monsanto, is like the, the freedom to operate group. They don't want to be under any sort of regulation. They wanted freedom to operate as FTO, um, let nothing go, go after the uh, the critics, don't let nothing go, um, whack-a-mole. They had these different names for the groups, the, the crew that was assigned the project of uh, taking out the critics. And one of the critics that they were particularly interested in was uh, uh, Professor Giles Seralini, who uh, just did one of their tests, uh, one of their clinical trials or animal trials, long enough to show uh, that uh, Roundup can cause cancer. And they went after him. They had it turned out that they had the editor of the uh, journal that uh, published his article. Um, showing there was carcinogenicity um, and tumors uh, was on their payroll uh, for a project that they had hired him to do in Brazil. And then they drummed up a, a group of critics to write articles to the journal to uh, have the article retracted. And then it got, re he, it got retracted, even though there was nothing false said. And the editor conceded there was nothing false. It was just... Uh, they thought it was questionable. And so they, that got yanked. Uh, when IARC, Inter International Institute for Research on Cancer, published its analysis of all the existing animal, human, and cell studies showing that there was, uh, it, that Roundup was a uh, possible uh, human carcinogen or probable human carcinogen, um, they hired uh, academics to attack IARC. And they have, this big, they have this big, long battle plan uh, of who their allies were in the uh, media 
in the uh, uh, regulatory agencies and uh, the academic community that they could call upon to attack IARC the, uh, for publishing this um, material showing the connection. And so we declassified that and got that published. And it shows the, the hand of these corporations with their PR companies and their relationships with uh, uh, reporters. They would draft articles for uh, uh, reporters in you know, the uh, uh, Wall Street Journal. And, and they'd have this interchange going back and forth. They'd draft the article, and then the guy would say, well, I don't have time to, to write it myself. You just write it for me, and then it gets published. So we got that, that series of emails out to show the type of manipulation that occurs. And in the U.S., it, it was observed, but in the uh, Europe, it created quite a furor. Uh, but that's one of the problems here is that uh, the media are so beholden to their advertisers that they uh, the advertisers control the content. So in the context of um, pharmaceutical products, vaccines, and chemicals, um, it's difficult to get a, contrary, a voice like mine or, you know, by clients being heard without solid documentation. And that's one of the things the lawsuits have done is to get those documents and get them out and show this certain um, bad hand, or this, this manipulative hand and uh, framing science and framing the media and framing the messages to make it look like products are safer than they actually are. You know, in a, in a way, it's a blessing <clears throat> because it's it's forcing you to it's forcing you to evolve. It's forcing you to be sharper. You can't you can't go in there with a sloppy presentation when we just said we got to have documents. We got to go in there. It it drives it's right. I mean that is natural selection. It's driving you to be the <clears throat> sharpest spear. You got to come in there. You know, unlike me shooting from the hip, going and grabbing a blanket. You got to go in there polished documents line this article that this is where here's the cable and it forces you in a way they're forcing you to to actually become the weapon that kills them i want to go back and touch on what you said is that is a whole right i mean we've seen it right nine out of ten doctors smoke lucky strikes you know i drink when pregnant and you know my babies are fine i mean back to the food pyramid right i mean you gotta have 19 trillion servings of grain in the morning and you know no fats and even just Pfizer, right? I mean, you go back to the 1990s, you look at the, you can find them on YouTube, the, uh, the Oxycontin ads. And, you know, it's, they've got their, their central casting, you know, blue collar guy, like, you know, I'm just working to raise my family and I hurt my back, you know, and I take Oxycontin and now I'm back to work and, you know, no side effects. And then it flash forwards 20 years and it's, it shows like, you know, the all grown up kids and they're like, yeah, no, he died two months later, uh, from suicide because he was going through withdrawal. Like, so we talked about the regulatory capture as well as media capture. Um, Dr. Pierre Corey said it on Joe Rogan, and I think he used a great analogy. And he goes, it's like if you're in a plane and the plane starts rocking back and forth and you make like a hard turn left or right. And then it, you know, and then it settles out and 
the intercom comes on and it says like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, like we apologize for that. There was just some slight turbulence and you go, oh, okay. Captain's voice. Now, what if some terrorists just took over the cockpit and now they're calming you down, right? It's, that's the first thing is you sort of shut down the warning response. It's like cutting the phone line if you're going to go, you know, break and entering so they don't call the cops. And I think it's becoming more lethal than ever because as opposed to having to cover all these news stations, we are now at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Reddit, TikTok, Snapchat. There's just a handful. And especially with a pandemic where there is no public square and we all have to communicate through a handful of platforms, you now only have to corrupt a handful of CEOs. And to me, it's just, and it's all coming into perfect clarity. What happens when Dr. Robert Malone comes out and starts talking about the vaccine or ivermectin and they go in and they edit Wikipedia and say he didn't invent it and they unperson him. He no longer has access. He cannot access the New England Journal of Medicine. They blocked his IP address. I have him on my podcast. I have on Dr. Peter McCullough who said, hey, you know, vitamins don't cure COVID. But as the most published cardiologist in world history, Dr. Peter A. McCullough, he goes, but there are four things that people of all age could take from Walmart, quercetin, uh, quercetin, turmeric, vitamin D, and zinc. It was about $7 a month. They could help everyone with their mortality rates. I get permanently banned from YouTube for that. And it's easier to do that because I had about 6,000 subscribers at the time. It's not like I'm Joe Rogan and they're making splashes. But you can already start to see the whack-a-mole type thing. And to me, they're just fine-honing their process. When there's just a handful of corporations, I mean, let's just be very real about it. You're Pfizer. You're Moderna. Global pandemic. Government says, hey, warp speed. No liabilities. We're going to foot the bill. Seven billion people need this. And then all of a sudden, these pesky doctors are coming out and they're going, actually, hey, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, we think are actually uh, just as uh, efficacious. No, you're, well, you're going to go to your buddies in big tech and go, hey, any mention of ivermectin, any ven- mention of VAERS data, squash it because we're making we're making a killing right now. And there is precedent. Everything you just said is precedent and you're not telling a story about in the year 2000 bc no no in our lifetimes this is happening happening right now it's happening right now it's do you think with your experiences with battling and beating monsanto and everything you just mentioned do you think that that is indeed what's happening right now with Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, and Johnson & Johnson squashing all alternative treatments because the alternative treatments are generic and cost pennies per pill? Yes. Yeah. For sure. So- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have you, uh, yeah. No, no, go, go on. Did you see the uh, Nebraska... Um, AG's office opinion on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? It's not. It was issued about uh, three, four weeks ago. You should pull that. It's a pretty good analysis of uh, the science 
supporting um, and it's a good debate of the science either supporting or, or undermining the efficacy of either hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin as viable preventative or viable treatments. And um, it basically goes through and says, hey, we're looking at this. This looks like uh, legitimate science on both sides. There is science going one way and science going the other. But there's enough science showing uh, efficacy that we're not going to uh, we're we're <clears throat> not going to um, penalize any physician who prescribes either ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. It's a really good like um, there. Uh, stand taken by them to protect physicians who want to use their reading of science to uh, apply medications to their patients. And there's a lot of places that are going after the licenses of doctors who are doing just that or preventing them from prescribing it or administering it in hospitals like there's a guy named uh, Merrick in, uh, mm-hmm. in Maryland, I think, um, who had been successfully using ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to treat his patients in the hospitals and in a particular place where he had privileges. And he had like a 80% success rate with his patients. And the hospital then said, you cannot use ivermectin anymore. And six of the next seven patients of his who were um, in the hospital all died because he could not give them the ivermectin. They basically just decided to kill him. It's um, let him die. It's it's a crime, and uh, it's that's all you know. And from my my worked perspective, the. Uh, in order to get the EUA, the emergency use authorization for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, I mean, I, I, I get the emergency use authorization for the, uh, the vaccines. vaccines. They they had to have no, no viable alternative, no alternative viable, and so they needed to take those viable alternatives out early. And they started taking them out well before yep. the submission, and that's where you ended up with surgisphere being able to get something published in uh, like the just completely fake data. How does that make, how does data that fake make it into the new England journal of medicine on a rapid basis? And, and, you know, stuff like that shows the hands of the companies manipulating uh, the science. And that's, um, it's a sad state of affairs, but that's what we that's what we as lawyers and my team as lawyers have been exposing for like, you know, 25 or 30 years. I mean, I've had on Dr. Peter McCullough, who's testified before the Senate and talked about this. I've had on Dr. Robert Malone, inventor of the mRNA vaccine, Dr. Mobin Saeed, Dr. Paul Alexander, Dr. Hatfield, Dr. Al- I mean, Dr. Hatfield, Dr. Alabic, Dr. Um, uh, NAS, all bioweapons expert. Alabic was the first deputy director of the Soviet bioweapon program, defected to the United States in 1992. The biggest intelligence coup of the uh, of the Cold War. Well, not really cold because I was right after. But I've had on all these guys. Dr. Uh, George Fareed, who's in his late 80s, has been a practicing physician for over 51 years. 
I mean, and he's got the resume of a god. I mean, like UCLA, like undergrad, the Harvard uh, Medical School and residency, like fellowship at Hopkins. I mean, you know, as a guy that was pre-med and got into medical school, that was the guy you looked at and you're like, that's the, un- you just, no one can do that. That's not real. Right. It's, it's, and then it happens, right. It's like looking at Tom Brady. You're like, how is he handsome and has a trillion Super Bowl rings? But I digress. And he's vegetarian. And, uh, yeah. So what are we even doing? And, you know, at least I share a name with him, but for Reed, who went back into practice with, uh, his colleague, Brian Tyson, um, they're in the Imperial Valley of California. They have treated now, he's been on my podcast several times, over 9,000 patients. McCullough says that if we we're using ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, their whole, their whole early treatment protocol, that they could reduce deaths by 85%. Fareed is probably, that's more in line with what you said, like six out of the next seven. Fareed says that they're having a 99.9% success rate. And it's not with just, I'm 31, it's not like young guys like me. He's like all age, 80, 90, comorbidities, smokers, heart disease, everything. Our thing, excuse my French, beats the, beats the shit out of COVID. Like nothing can stop it. They're on fire. And he's been on my podcast. And I mean, this guy is just a saint. He's, you know, whenever he does my podcast, he's still in his like, he's still in his scrubs and he's drinking a Red Bull and it's like 9 p.m. his time. And he's hopping on the last two he's done with me. He's still been at the hospital on the side and he's working and he's working. You can hear nurses walking back and forth. You couldn't make this up. The second to last time he's been on, he gets a call mid podcast from a pharmacist saying, Hey, basically I need you to like come up with a lie for me so I can prescribe ivermectin. And you see Freed go, I'm not going to come up with a lie. Just prescribe it. He's like, just do it. He's like, do your duty. Like you're like you're a medical professional. Do your duty, and he hangs up. And I was like, "Do you want me to edit that out?" And he was like, "Not at all." And I like CVS. I don't. I oh yeah. Directed. Do not yes. issue uh, prescriptions of ivermectin. Yeah. And they, they've had it in stock. And they would not give it out. Yes. Rite Aid continued to do it. I, I don't. I don't know if Rite Aid is still doing it here, but uh, as of about three weeks ago, they were. I had on Doctor CVS. CVS. CVS stopped uh, providing it. Yeah. I've had on Dr. Keith Rose, who's a total badass. Military, special forces, CIA, came, survived an IED, came back, became a physician. He was on my podcast, and I, I, I was telling him about what happened with Fareed. And he goes, yeah, that happens with me too. And he goes, so what I do, and you can just tell this guy with special forces. He goes, <laughs> just has this whole war plan. He's like, you call them up, you get their like pharmacist ID number, you get their name first and last, and you just, you know, you clarify it so you know who to sue when your patient dies. And he goes, it works every time. They'll bypass the laws within like the company. But everything we're seeing right now is when I first started to kind of do podcasts that were getting warnings and suspensions from YouTube, it was all about the vaccine deaths. And it's... As I've said to everyone, no, I, I don't think the vaccines are some depopulation program. That's too easy of a conspiracy. We've had deep, and I always say this, we've had depopulation abilities since 1945, and it's called it's called warheads. It's called atomic weapons. We can do it in 30 minutes or less, right? 1952, hydrogen bombs, put those on the tip of a rocket. Hey, we've had depopulation worked out since Eisenhower. We got it. So I don't think that's what this is. I think that I mean, statistically, for the most part, it is safe. Granted, there's 18,000 deaths and it spikes. You look at the VAERS data. 
I think that's bad. And I was I was kind of banging all the alarms on that and raising the red flags and the air horns. And I was like, this is not good. And again, it wasn't my opinion. It was because I was having on the doctor that invented it saying this. But after a while, I eventually kind of concluded that I'm very pro you get to do whatever you want with your body. If you want to shoot heroin, hey, man, are you harming anybody? Are you paying your taxes? Stay on your property? I think you should be able to do whatever you want. That's just me. That's why I love this place is I think that you should be able to do that. Eventually, I kind of came to the personal conclusion where I was like, you know what? If people want to get it, they're going to get it. And that's their right. Who am I to say you can't get it? And most of the people in my family have it, people I know and love. So eventually, I kind of took my foot off that. Because if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. I started attacking it again when mandates came out because it was like, all right, well, now we're not doing. But even mandates are bad. Yeah. But even that started to pale when I noticed something much bigger. And it's the vaccines are one thing. Profit motive. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about Eisenhower and Smedley, like that's it's it's the devil you know it's like yeah it's money's the root of all evil like and yeah and sun goes up sun goes down early bird gets the worm like any other at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. For cliche you want. Yeah, what do you, what'd you think it was? Of course it's money. What really got me is when I started to piece it together, when I was like, oh, they're also shutting down alternative treatments because then their EUA would be voided. And that is an entirely different ballgame because... Vaccine deaths, 18,000, you could say that's on your hands with a faulty vaccine, sure. If Fareed is saying 99.9, McCullough is saying 85, let's say they're both wrong. Let's say it's just 50% of deaths. Let's just be really loose with this. What are we at now? 700, 800,000 deaths just in the United States, 4 million worldwide. Let's take half of that, just half. They'd say 85 and 99. I'll say let's go 50 just to be safe. That's 2 million deaths from people that have knowingly suppressed ivermectin hydroxychloroquine. It would be one thing if we really didn't know, and then as soon as it came out that it was working, we stopped the vaccines and rolled them out. That would just be like, hey, guys, we, you know, we messed up. You know, it, you know, everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. No, no war plan survives first contact with the enemy, sure. This whole kind of rant I'm going on right now is the much bigger beast in the room Forget the vaccines. That's whatever. There's an elephant in the room. And it's the coordinated suppression of treatments known to work and have been tested for decades. Ivermectin got the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2015. Satoshi uh, Otomura, the doctor who I I can never get him. He won't respond to my emails. Keep trying to get him on here. But hydroxychloroquine and having these doctors, Fareed and Malone and, and, and McCullough, This is all being, it's a coordinated suppression campaign using, right? We didn't do it. It was Facebook. It's all going through and it's happening right now. Man, how is this not the biggest story of the century? How is this not Nuremberg 2.0? And I, I get all jacked up and I start yelling and I know I'm not letting you talk, but 
do you not feel like that's the, the biggest thing going on right now? I personally do, yeah. <clears throat> um, it's I so I have been you know helping out with some of the uh, vaccine injured and helping out with uh, appearing with uh, Dr. Malone with uh, Republican AGs to bring actions. Um, to recover money that the states have spent on uh, on COVID treatment that would have been prevented if they'd used hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin as a, a viable treatment. And the deaths and uh, medical care costs that the states have under, under um, have been subjected to could have been avoided. And that was done for the, the, those were those drugs were taken out. Those viable treatments were taken out for purposes of, of promoting and maintaining uh, the EUA. It's for the uh, the vaccines. It's I like you. If people want to take the vaccine, go right ahead. Um, if they think it's effective and they think it's um, it's going to reduce the probability of their having a severe outcome from COVID or maybe help prevent their getting it at all. Um, there's conflicting data uh, going back and forth uh, regarding its general efficacy for preventing infection and its general efficacy for preventing transmission, and its general efficacy for lowering hospitalization outcomes. There, there's some evidence to support it, and, and there's conflicting evidence uh, against it. It's very difficult to gather some of that evidence. Um, that said, uh, there's enough evidence, I think, against the safety to make it so that if somebody doesn't want it, they should not be mandated to do it. Yeah. It, is, it is not 100% effective and not 100% safe. And, uh, and, and there's no business mandating something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... So it's it's uh, so back to your, your thing. Is it the biggest story right now? It's just, there's some scary stuff going on with respect to the erosion of, uh, of of competing voices, preventing debate, preventing scientific discussion by legitimate scientists, scientists like Harvey Rishon and mm -hmm. uh, uh, Robert Malone and. Uh, uh, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Uh, uh, Corey, uh, Peter, uh, uh, Zelenko. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, there's Zev mm -hmm. Zelenko. Um, there's a lot of people, that, voices out there that have been actually in the trenches using this using these drugs to prevent uh, serious disease. And just as much as there is some science supporting the vaccines, there's a bunch of science supporting the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, and the doctors dealing with their patients ought to have the right to make the decision of what they're going to administer. And the prohibition of, uh, uh, and the, the clamping down on the, uh, um, supply chains for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine is um, is is killing people. It's preventing people from getting adequate treatment 
who could probably otherwise have avoided going in the hospital or once in the hospital could have been um, treated with something that would have got him out of there within a few days. It's, and really the crux of all of it is, is the, uh, the banning of, of debate and discourse. It's, I've, I, I could very well be wrong. It could turn out that everyone that gets the vaccine lives to their 200. Hey, egg on my face, you know, sucks to suck. I died, right? It's, I'm okay <laughs> with that. I acknowledge I'm not a doctor, dude. I'm, I'm I'm in an apartment yelling at a microphone and a camera with, you know, gentlemen like yourself who are uh, nice enough to come on here. But when we can't even debate it, like if it's, if, if I ever met horse dewormer, if that and hydroxychloroquine don't work, well then come out and debate it. Like tear me apart on in the field of on the on the battleground of uh, of academics. So don't if I if I go out there and start saying that uh, uh, putting pennies in your shoes cures aneurysms, like no, go out and have someone explain. And if it's this easy knock me dead in 10 minutes, come on here and go, Hey, you know, this is a neuroscientist from Harvard and uh, he's published 40 papers on aneurysms. And he explains that it has to do with blood clotting and vessel walls. And indeed has nothing to do with the copper content of your shoes. And then it's done. And I'm a moron and it's over. And I rightfully so lose all credibility. But when you are not allowed to talk about it, if ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine don't work and if the vaccine is safe and effective in the nectar of the gods, all of this could be put aside. You just have one campaign. If it's worth this much, you would just have scientists from here and you would take the, the biggest names on the other side. You'd take Zelenko, McCullough, Malone. You'd bring them all out and you'd do one thing. You'd broadcast it during the Super Bowl and you'd shut it down and then it would be done. But they can't do that because they know it's not true. When you remove debate, all you're doing is 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 admitting you're wrong and knowing that you're wrong when you're not allowed to even debate it if it's so if you are so sure of your of your belief or what your scientific data supports tear me apart on a public forum and then let it be dead you know if you have two boxers talking shit back and forth on twitter how long does it go on no what happens eventually you do a billion dollar pay-per-view put them in a rink hey <laughs> knock each other out and if they're both bloody and one's face down and we go huh well i guess the other guy was better and then it's done but they can't uh, i i would even go one step further because it's it's to some degrees science is not um a boxing contest sure. uh there's you know there's some science to support some things like among certain people for it, you have to define your cohorts that you're testing things in because it's a, it's more nuanced. If you have someone who's got um, advanced COVID and, um, you know, they've already gotten past, they've got the cytokine storm occurring and they've got, you know, the autoimmune reaction and they've got all uh, multiple organ shutdown giving them hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, or ivermectin then it's, you know, and then saying, oh, well, it didn't work is 
you're using the wrong metric for arriving at, well, uh, if you'd used it back, you know, in the first couple of days and all the people that used it in the first couple of days, you know, 90 something percent of them are not progressing to a more serious disease. If you look just at those people who are hospitalized in the, and on the ICU and are about to die, not getting better from ivermectin and then promote the idea or hydroxychloroquine and then promote the idea that they didn't work. Well, you miss all the places over here where it did work. So if you've tunnel visioned in on the uh, ICU people and had your debate then and had the big knockout fight, well, I'd, ivermectin would have lost. Mm-hmm. But there there are scientists over over on the other side over here who are working out in the field or working at, in the emergency rooms or working, you know, in the early treatment range saying, wait a second, you're using the wrong metric. And, and science is about that, is, is looking at the metrics, looking at the methodology, looking at, you know, it's worked in this group, but not this group. These people are, are more uh, uh, genetically pro- uh, uh, prone to having autoimmune reactions, and we need to be careful about giving them vaccines because of the adjuvants in the vaccines. I mean, the, you you learn to be more discerning, and, and I think that's, you know, just closing off the debate entirely kills people, and that's what's happening right now. They're closing off the debate entirely on the basis of looking at just those studies where there were people who are in advanced stages uh, of disease and not taking into account the people who were not in advanced stages because the mechanisms of action deals more with preventing viral replication and anti-inflammation. And those, those are important at the early stage. Once you're in those advanced stages and you're all, you know, down in with it, excess fluid mm-hmm. everywhere and uh autoimmune attacking each of your organs it's not going to do you a hell of a lot of good and so um similar things have it's it's a lot of it comes down to what you count and that's what i found in my pharma cases and in my roundup cases is watching what got counted and how, which things are, are, which numbers are being manipulated. And if you can actually see what's being counted here, if you counted only the ICU patients given ivermectin, you'd end up with like a very low efficacy rate. If you count um, in, uh, well, that's, that, that's, that's my point. It's, it's, it goes to what you count. And in a, a roundup, they, they would not count tumors of in, in rats or mice if the, uh, the rats had been given more than 1,000 milligrams per kilogram of, uh, of Roundup. Well, that's how you, in, in, a, in a rat or a mice, mouse lifetime, that's how you create the, the load of a lifetime load of, of Roundup to see if it's going to be carcinogenic. And that's how you find out. If you take keep the, the that load low, you may not see it. But then to not count any of the tumors that occurred for uh, an exposure of greater than a thousand uh, uh, milligrams per kilogram, 
that results in missing where most of the tumors are. Um, and that is how you end up with the EPA saying it's not carcinogenic. You don't count the tumors that where they would actually occur. But there's a, what they did with Gile Seralini. Um, if you do a animal study for 90 days, uh, that's uh, on our... This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. On rats, and to see if there's tumor formation. Well, tumor form- tumors aren't going to form necessarily in 90 days. They start forming after about 100 days. So if you limit your studies to 90 days, you can avoid showing tumors. And if you do the, the, uh, the study for two years, the entire lifetime of a rat, and compare the rats that got exposed to Roundup to the rats that did not get exposed to Roundup, and you have like a three times greater rate of tumors in the rats exposed to, um, to Roundup, that shows, you know, it's probably carcinogenic, but you don't, would not see any tumors unless you let the rat, let the exposure last for two years. If you limit it to 90 days, there's nothing to count. And that's the type of tricks that occur. And that's the type of tricks that are occurring right now with hydroxychloroquine and, and, um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and ivermectin and the types of tricks that are occurring in the counting for the adverse events and, and injuries caused by the vaccines themselves. What are their actual efficacy rates, especially now with the Delta variant? How many of the unvac- what's the rate of uh, infection for vaccinated versus unvaccinated? If you talk to one group, they're going to say, well, the vaccinated uh, um, uh, are uh, not getting infected as uh, much as the unvaccinated, that there's three times greater rate of uh, infection among the unvaccinated and the unvaccinated are the, are the problem. But depend, if you find out that the definition of unvaccinated includes uh, everybody who has been gotten one vex, one shot of the, the dual shot ones, uh, that it only counts people uh, that have outside the two week, uh, uh, 14 days after the second shot. And you start having people in both group, having vaccinated people in the unvaccinated crowd, and they, it blurs all the data. You just need to watch again what's being counted. And I think that, uh, for a while in Israel and, and in UK and Iceland, they actually had pretty good data um, showing that the vaccinated and unvaccinated rates were almost the same uh, for, and in some cases, uh, greater in the vaccinated group. I, I have to go back and do another dive back into this because it's um, been a few weeks since I looked at what the data showed, but the, the last body of data I saw was that it's the, the vaccines are not stopping infections. 
And so if they're not stopping infections, why are we mandating? Unless it's making a lot of money. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's more than just the money, although the money is part of it. I think you're right that there's, um, it's being used to um, limit scientific debate. Yeah, it's a power and grab. Limit, yeah, it's a power grab. And, the, and that's the, the scariest part. Yeah, it, no, it's, a, it's exactly what it is. It's a power grab. It's where are your papers? That's what it is. And mm -hmm. I mean, now that's something you can go back to all of human history. Yeah, like, tyrants will rise if given the, if put in an environment or if they try to create that environment and no one tries to stop it. What you said about it not being really a knockout is exactly correct. Right? If you give ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin early on, it's going to stop it. You give it to someone who's had COVID for two weeks, it's not going to do anything. And so you could cherry pick that data. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm white as snow. I'm Irish. I'm from New England. If I get skin cancer and you start putting sunblock on me and I'm 70 and they go, look, he's still got the tumors. Well, yeah, someone could go see sunscreen doesn't work versus like, no, you're supposed to wear it when you go outside as a kid. So it does matter where you apply it and what data you look at. That being said, that very discussion is what's needed. Not yeah. the knockout punch. It's the ability to people go, hey, it's not a knockout punch. It's a lot more nuanced. And so we need this back and forth dialogue, which again shows, so censorship doesn't work. We have to, for yeah. anyone to come out and go, it's not a knockout situation. What you just went through saying how it's not a knockout, that very discussion, if I was still on YouTube, would have gotten me suspended. So it's the very fact that it needs to be discussed. When people go, it's not as simple, it's not black and white, I agree. And thus there needs to be open dialogue about it for both sides. I mean, maybe maybe there's just a doctor out there who just hates Pfizer and he's pushing ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine just, just to screw Pfizer. Like that has to be taken into account too. Again, open debate. It all has to be fleshed out. It goes back and forth and then the truth arises. That's just what it is. That's what science is. It's that which can't be broken down anymore. It's the thing that is reproducible all over the world throughout throughout all of time. It's why, you know, it's why different civilizations discovered, you know, the Pythagorean theorem or, you know, how to calculate the circumference of the earth or, uh, you know, how to dis calculate dis uh, displaced water and the whole eureka moment and the density of materials. It's because these things are, it's just science. It's just what it is. It's just what it is. The laws of acceleration are the same on Earth as they are in Jupiter or anywhere else because it's just it's just what the laws of physics are. You could detonate a nuke here or you could set up a civilization on Mars, give it a couple thousand years, and someone's going to find out, hey, if we separate the nuclei, we get a huge explosion. It's just, it's just what it is. You can't censor this, that, and the other thing. Um, with the power grab, though, and that's something McCullough and Malone have both said, is so they've discussed everything we're talking about, right? Yeah, like no shit, it's money. It's like it goes, goes back to money. That's why they're suppressing it. They can't have the EUA without it. But they've both said this, and they say that's best case scenario. Yeah. Best case scenario, it's money. And the way they've described it is, is like you almost don't want to look directly at the sun because what could be the deeper thing? What's well, controlling the movement of people? It's controlling who has access to society. And if you speak out, right now I just get banned from YouTube. Whatever, fuck them. I'll go somewhere else. What happens when 
okay, so I'm single and I don't have kids, but what happens when, uh, Tommy, you can no longer work at a Walmart because you've yeah. been speaking out against the vaccine. Now your kids are hungry and it's no longer, the vaccine could be perfectly safe. It could literally be saline. So it's not even that. It's just, oh, well, well, you're not speaking out against this. You haven't got your third saline shot. You can't go to Jiffy Loop. Sorry, your car doesn't work. You can't call Uber. Sorry. You want to go to this bar? Uh-uh. And now your wife hates you because we can't go out and socialize with the friends. And the kids are like, Dad, I'm really hungry. I just want to go back to school, but I've lost all my social credits because you're talking out against the vaccine. That's what this is. And everything we've talked about so far, the whole corporate capture of regulatory agencies and news agencies, that's really just the last century that we're, everything we're citing. What I'm talking about now is, I mean, this is all of human history. This is, this is pharaohs convincing their servants that they're gods. This is the, this is the pope being the, the voice of God. This is the king uh, being divinely appointed. This, is, this goes back for all of human history and will continue for all of human history. Tyrants will rise. It's, it's just what it is. It's just, it's just what it is. And that is the thing that you look at a little deeper and you're like, well, who's behind the pharma companies? Who's pulling? Now, is there some grand master plan? Is it the Illuminati guy? I think it might just be a little bit more of, I think Brett Weinstein called it an emergent phenomena. Well, where, when the environment uh, gets to a spot where all this, it's someone, it's someone, it's a surfer catching a wave. It's this thing being driven by money, being driven by regulatory capture, news agency capture, and the drive for profits. And then it's someone coming along and going, oh, here's a perfect storm. I can control the movement of people who can control society. There's only a couple social media companies. You're effectively removing people from the town square. This is how this shit happens. You know, when Hitler sees hyperinflation and a hatred and a whole bunch of a demasculinizing men after World War One, how did the fatherland lose? You see all the perfect things come. You see the barrel of gasoline. You see the gunpowder and you see the match and you go, I'm going to be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what that's man it, that's what this is it's now on a little bit more of a positive note what can people do to fight this and i have used this analogy before you know you go online and you know, there's the trash all over the world the oceans are destroyed and everyone goes ah like share subscribe and i did my part but you're not really doing anything versus like Hey, you know, there's a homeless problem. Well, if you, you know, 20 bucks a month, go buy some ramen noodle, just drop it off at the local, you know, homeless shelter. Are you, are you fixing the world? No. Are you doing a little part? Sure. You see some trash, you walk into the gym, you see, a, you know, a cardboard or cardboard cup or whatever, styrofoam cup, just pick it up and put it in the trash can. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. That's something you can actually do. And instead of, you got to donate to this huge, uh, this huge, uh, this huge charity, which, by the way, is pocketing all the money, and it's just a tax evasion scam. What can people do to actually fight this? And I know, I, I know, I got to let you go soon because you got another meeting coming up, and I, I won't ride it right to the edge, so you can, you know, compose yourself for the next one. No, actually, the the, the meeting that I'm going to be going to is uh, a loss regarding a series of uh, cases for. Uh, kids that were given Gardasil and had uh, got autoimmune neurological conditions as a result of that uh, because the 
it's kind of like a roundup that the adjuvant that that increases the impact of the active ingredient and and uh uh Gardasil, which to some degree is was sort of a probably a, a runway or a model that was used for the mrna vaccines but um uh the the virus-like particle antigen for Gardasil is so weak that it doesn't have a long-term immune response that protects against exposure to the human papillomavirus for many years. So you need to have an, an excess immune reaction at the moment of injection at the to cause a large response to the antigen. And that's what the adjuvants do. Adjuvants assist the antigen, the virus-like particle, have a boosted immune response, and it causes an overdrive immune response. And one of the things they use is aluminum, and aluminum is a neurotoxin. And so, you know, you combine that and you get an excess immune response, and you got some molecular mimicry of the, the – uh, I, I, mean, I know you get all this, but I'm not – your listeners may not, but some of the uh, amino acid sequences that are uh, in the um, the virus are very similar to the amino acid sequences in human proteins in hum- that are in your brain or in your heart or in your gut. And if that exact sequence is what is identical, that is identical between the two, um, you end up with your immune system saying, oh, I think I'm attacking this uh, virus particle over here, but it's actually the same sequence as in your heart. And you end up with postural uh, orthostatic uh, posture problems, tachycardia problems, and that then you can't stand. You have to be, you have to be in a wheelchair. And that's what happened to these clients. So that at one o'clock, uh, we have we 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 had obtained about thirty some odd million pages of documents from Merck about the the uh, adverse events and uh, trials used to get uh, Gardasil out on the market, and we have a team of people going through those documents, and at in forty five minutes, forty four minutes. We're going through, the team has the hot docs they found over the last two weeks. We're doing a PowerPoint presentation of what's cool. That's how you do science. Hell yeah. That's how you, that's what we did on Roundup. That's what we did on, uh, we're doing a Garsol. We're going to give these guys the Monsanto treatment, go through the documents, find the dirt and get it exposed, get it publicized. So we did on uh, the suicide rates, the suicidality caused by, um, uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the Zoloft, Prozacs, uh, the birth defects caused by Paxil. Um, you know, it, it was a team of people going through documents, finding the internal documents that show what happened and then getting them published. So what can you do? That's what I can do. Yeah. I have a license. To, I get to go to a, a file lawsuit and con- conduct discovery and get it. Uh, relative to what to do about the power grab going on, I say resist. Help people resist. Uh, stand up, be a voice. Um, um, 
I think that a, a new, uh, probably a new alternative culture is going to develop of where there's going to be a hospital you can go to that has unvaccinated doctors and unvaccinated uh, uh, patients. They're going to let it, you know, there's going to be things like that develop over time. But um, I think resist has to occur. Yeah. Resistance has to occur. Yeah. Uh, that, that and uh, that a bunch of Republican governors are standing up and saying no to mandates and that they're, attorney general are standing up those are gutsy guys and generally speaking i've not been um a fan of the 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 right because i thought they were um to they were totalitarian they lean towards uh, anti-democratic, anti-egalitarianism, anti-vote. Every person has a vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, there was voter suppression by that that crowd, and uh, so I was against them. Sure, but um, I think they're right on this. I think they're right on the uh, the technocracy taking over, uh, being too powerful. And I think they're right on uh, mandates not being. Um, they are not. They're neither scientific nor um, needed, and they are a violation of your, your what ought to be my body, my choice. Yeah, which is an odd thing for you know us to be saying when you know that's the 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 uh, the, the meme of the and uh, the frame the framing of the uh, the abortion issue. My body, my choice. Now you got the Republicans saying that. I think which is funny absolute clown world is, is yeah. yeah it's <clears throat> it's but that's i like that and it's also i always say this and it's like don't don't be disillusioned don't don't assume that you're helpless and nothing can be done and it's i mean it's like a cheesy motivational quote that you'd see on a poster next to a cubicle but it no water droplet thinks it's responsible for the flood like every little thing is what helps break down anything that you're working against. So whether whether you're just sending a link to someone, whether you're just sharing this or, you know, you're, you see a YouTube video and you tweet it and then you see that it gets removed and you just talk about that and you go, can you believe they're removing this shit? Every little thing you do will break down the existing power structure. If you just sit around and go, nothing can be done. Now we're living in a COVID passport world and the new world order is here. Well, then indeed, that is the world you will live in. It's every little thing you do is what pushes it in the other direction. So everyone listening, like you're not helpless. What you do is not worthless. Just find any of these doctors talking, share a link to someone, put it online. If you get attacked for it, let it get attacked. That will that will red pill other people where they're like, why are my friends attacking my other friend for just posting an article? Just support the guys who are standing up. Yes. Be, be part of the like like go to the when they say stuff or when Peter McCullough says something and he gets attacked for it, join the thread and say, No, I think he's right. Yeah. Uh when Bobby Kennedy uh, publishes a book saying that it, uh, Fauci has been involved with manipulating science for uh, four or five decades in a bad way, or um, and he gets attacked for it. Uh, read the book yourself and and collect it yourself and and support the people who are standing up. 
Yes. Because those are the ones, the lightning rods, they're the ones that are taking the big risk. They need support. Yeah. So if Peter McCullough's and Harvey Reese's and Pierre Corey's and Zeb Zelenko's, uh, all the doctors who prescribe ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, they need to be supported. Go to your Congress people and say, hey, I want these guys supported. Um, be a voice. I mean, it doesn't take much to go to do stuff like that. And I, I think every little drop helps. Yeah. And that's so I do stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I and also it's maybe maybe you don't want to openly go out and say that. That's I think you should, but that's fine if you don't want to. If you can if you know anyone that's standing up to it, maybe it's just a friend or a family doctor, let them know. Just tell them. Yeah. Be like, "Hey man, whenever I see a cop, I, I always tell them I'm like, "Hey, thank you for what you're like don't list don't listen to the news that everyone hates you and cops are pigs. Like, hey, I appreciate what you do. It means something. It legitimately – tell them yeah. like, hey, I appreciate what – you might even say, hey, I have the vax. I don't agree with what you're saying, but you know what? I do respect free speech. Just something to – you never know like what little thing is going to egg someone on to just keep going forward. Don't give up. It's – man, we all die eventually. We It just ends eventually. Whether you've got $100 trillion or you're dirt poor, eventually it's over. Just do the right fucking thing. I mean, it's really, I know it's easier said than done. Just do the right fucking thing. And it's, another quote is, you know, if you don't stand up for your kids now, they're going to grow up in an environment, they're going to grow up in a society where they can't stand up. Or, you know, who is it? Thomas Paine. You know, if hardship comes, may it come in my life so it doesn't come in my kid's life. Listen, this is, this is going to go on forever from from ancient times to, there's always going to be tyrants rising maybe we fight back and we knock down the covid passports and we you know and we have peace again in a thousand years when we're some multi-planetary society another environment's gonna happen and there's gonna be a guy that rises up and you're gonna have to go ah shit it's that time again and you're gonna have to fight back it's what we do and it's it's what allows society to move forward and i mean really just do what you're do what you do so that when you lay down in your deathbed, you can go, Hey man, I tried. I legitimately tried. Don't be squirming. Tommy, on your I just want to say thank you yeah. for trying. I, I, you're uh, a good, a nice, uh, committed, scientifically uh, balanced uh, approach that is uh, needed, much needed. Thank you very much. And thanks for like putting on people like, uh, like uh, Kim Witzak and, yeah, uh, thanks, Pierre Corey and uh, giving them a voice, a platform to talk from because the the major media and the present administration are trying to prevent that uh, yeah. voice, those, those platforms and having the voice. Yeah, and it's 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 regardless of which way you lean. Man, it's not Democrat or Republican. Just stand up for what you know is right. Just, just screw the left-right thing. Just what do you know is right? You know human rights, you know, my body, I don't want to have to take this, you shouldn't be mandated to do this if you want to go to work, just, it doesn't matter which puppet it's coming out from, deep down, like, we all know what's right, like, you don't, you know what's right, just follow that, you know what's right, with that, we will wrap this one up, so I'll give you some time for your next thing, um, Mr. Baum, thank you so much for coming on here, I'd love to have you on again sometime, and, before you go anywhere, though, I'm going to stop recording in a second. I do want to say something to you afterwards. So, but for now, Mr. Baum, thank you so much for coming on, sir.
Thank you. Yes. It's a pleasure. All right. Don't go anywhere. Don't